Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. And welcome to another edition of Red vs. Blue Friday Night Football, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by the Big Blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, what a strange week of football uh, this week. Uh, we've got uh, Matt DeLima on, our senior lead NFL draft writer at FFToolbox.com. He's going to be talking NFL draft countdown. And uh, the strange Manti Teo story that just won't go away. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going, Scott? Uh, glad to have everybody uh, along with us and uh, looking forward to a, a great hour. Uh, great to have Matt along with us. And uh, the Teo, I, I really don't want to respond to it. I'm just uh, I'm so excited about uh, my Baltimore Ravens and what might happen uh, uh, come Sunday. You have a lot on the line, man. Uh, you entered the FF Toolbox Playoff Championship uh, Draft Tournament that we had uh, just a few weeks back, and you have uh, you have a shot, man. You've got uh, what six or seven eight Ravens going still. Uh, you got yeah, a it was, it was kind of yeah, it was kind of crazy, Scott. I mean, it just uh, the draft fell to me uh, with uh, Ray Rice and then Joe Flacco and then. Next thing I know, I'm going uh, all in with Baltimore. So I've got uh, Joe Flacco, uh, Ray Rice, Bowden, Torrey Smith, uh, Justin Tucker, kicker, and Baltimore defense. And along with Frank Gore, Jack Wiz, and Randy Moss. So, I, I mean, i got a lot of things involved here this week. Yeah, we are going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, the live leaderboard that we have posted up at fftoolbox.com. You'll notice a few new features that should make predicting your finish a whole lot easier. There's a column for active players. You can hover over that, and you can check out where you're at in the contest. You can see that not only how many players teams have left in the contest, but which players they have just by hovering over. So we can see that Team Cruiser leading the way, but with only two players left. He's going to just be hanging on for that league prize of $600. Still an accomplishment to be proud of. You you play in these this contest to win your league. If you win your league, you can move on and get a chance at the uh, $10,000 grand prize. Bada Boom has four players left. One of those is CK1, as he's referred to now. Colin Kaepernick has one of five teams in the top ten with Kaepernick. you got to think that 
he's going to hang on for an end-of-season yep. prize if the Niners can win. But that's going to be a tough game, Mike, and we're going to break down that Falcons-Niners game on Sunday. Yeah, that's a, that's a big if. Uh, I've been looking at uh, both these games, uh, uh, Niners-Falcons and uh, Baltimore and uh, New England. I mean, if I, I got to give a, you know, an honest opinion about each game. Uh, it's going to come up later, and it's going to be very different than uh, – than what I, uh, you know, feel. <laughs> yeah, 347-324-5404 is the number. This is Fat Tire Friday here on Red Blue Radio. Uh, Sponsor tonight from the FF Toolbox Studios is V2 Sigs, Mike. Uh, V2 Sigs, you, we are uh, trying to, uh, it's the new leading electronic cigarette, if you didn't know, and uh, we're just trying to lead some people out of the darkness there and get them into a little bit of freedom. So, V26, check them out online, v26.com. Uh, Mike, we have, um, we have again, like I said, Matt DeLima is our guest tonight, NFL lead draft writer. We're going to be breaking down the NFL draft a little bit, some sleepers uh, in the draft that people might be uh, considering taking, a, you know, jotting some notes down. Uh, look, your dynasty players, your fantasy players, you want to get that information early beforehand so that you can be ready before the draft actually happens. You can start moving and shaking uh, in your dynasty league and acquiring picks. That's real important. And then, you know, I just want to know. I want to know what's going on with Geno Smith. I mean, is this guy another Pat White? I mean, you know, it, it kind of has that feel, Mike. You saw that bowl game against Syracuse. I was, I didn't come away too impressed with Geno Smith like I did earlier in the year when he threw for like 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. No. Pretty, no. I, don't, I, I want to find out if this is a mirage or not. So we're going to talk to Matt uh, about uh, his Manti Teo article. It was an excellent read. If you haven't read it, uh, go to fftoolbox.com, and uh, you can go to the homepage. And that Matt, De, Matt DeLima article is there on the What's New section. Was, uh, yeah. I, you know, Scott, I, I told you I wouldn't comment on on the Manta Teo uh, situation, but I'm going to. Uh, it's real simple. Uh, he's The guy's a fake. And it's and it's so sad because uh, you know he, he seems like he's got a lot of uh, uh, leadership abilities about him. Uh, he he should, he's shown that on the football field, uh, but I'm just very disappointed in uh, what this whole deal has come about. I mean, like he didn't know, he knows everything that's going on. The guy is a freaking fake, and I, I just I'm just real. Uh, I. I don't know what to say about it. That, that that's about it, and I could care less about what he says or what he does. He's going to go to the next level. He's going to play in the NFL, and uh, you know I, I I'm not sure he's going to be a quote star in the NFL. He's going to be very good because uh, he has those uh, abilities. But the person himself, uh, the integrity, the uh, just that person. I care less about him, and I hope he fails. I'm I'm kind of curious as to why the ESPN is not uh, covering this and doing it justice. Because if you go to Deadspin, he's dead to rights, man. He's he's busted yep. dead to rights on a lot on numerous occasions talking about you know where she's been to the home and and this and that. I'm just very curious about how that's all going to play out. So still, it's, it's kind of got that Lance Armstrong news story type feel to it. Uh, but I oh, I, I, I am interested. The reason why we have Matt on tonight, I want to know about the draft stock of, of Manti because, again, what does that type of a story do? Uh, you know, I was just debating, if you could call it debating, on Twitter with somebody uh, earlier tonight. Kevin Flint, at Gamblers1000, he said, he said, Red Blue Radio, would his draft stock be better if he had a girlfriend that he beat up, you know? And I'm like... Okay, he, he's hitting on a couple of points there, right? He's not. He, he's he's saying that Matt, uh, that that uh, Manti's not uh, a bad kid. He's not a he's not a you know like a wife beater or something like that. And I understand his point there. And I'm not saying that he's an evil kid, but he's he, there's there's some problems there. There's there's definitely some mental issues. And if I'm an owner of the NFL, if he if he did beat up his girlfriend, okay, that would at least be I mean obviously inexcusable. It would at least be normal abnormal behavior for an NFL team executive to consider, right? I mean, it's at least, you know, things happen. You have you drink or something, and you have a crazy situation like that occur, and you hear about that type of stuff all the time with athletes. And so because something like that, you know, beating up a girlfriend or something, that something like that has at least, you know, nothing like this. It's, 
it's so weird and strange that you you, you think to yourself, geez, it's mental issues there. Not just a, yeah. a drinking problem or something. This is not a drinking problem where you had a, a drunk night and made bad decisions. This is, this, this is something much God, bigger. This started than a long to time ago. This yeah. started a long time ago with this young man, and uh, it's too bad. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that again. I, I'm interested to hear the names that Matt brings out for the best players in the draft at the skill positions. I want quarterback. I want running back, wide receiver, and tight end. I bet you he he names the tight end from Notre Dame. Just a hunch because I love Tyler Eifert. He could name the kid out on the West Coast. I like Keenan Allen of California. I, I'm I'm looking to see what he does there. And then Eddie Lacy of Alabama, the best running back in the draft, or is it still? You know, Giovanni Bernard, uh, you've got a, a, several good names that I can't wait to hear, you know, from North, North Carolina there. So I want to hear what he says. There have already been 400, and uh, I wrote the number down, let me find it, 459 mock drafts on our website. Pretty cool. A lot of people like to go in there and just kind of play around with the mock and make your best guess. Have you ever done that, Mike? Yeah, sure have. Yeah, it's kind of cool. If you, if you really Fine. follow college football and, you you know, you can get on some lists and you can do those predict the first round contests, this kind of gets you into that mode where you can you can kind of make your picks. And, uh, again, uh, Matt's going to be on here in a minute, uh, but he has Manti Teo falling all the way down to the 20th pick, like the Chicago Bears. Manti Teo, the Chicago Bears, landing well, a linebacker like that. Uh, that would be pretty interesting to see that uh, that take place. Well, so. What round is that, Scott? Is that, is that in... First round, Third yeah. Round? First round. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, there, there's uh, there's one thing about Manti Teo and uh, some other players that uh, comes to mind. Um, first of all, he's got a sexy name. Let's face it. Uh, him and uh, Johnny Manziel. Yeah. I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to bring out uh, different stuff, but Manti Teo, sexy name. Uh, Matt Tatel, his story, quote story, whatever it is, uh, very, uh, you know, it, it just gravitates uh, people to it. Uh, but the fact is that Matt Tatel is not that good. He's not that good. And I really want to, I, I want some uh, Notre Dame supporters to, uh, to step up to the plate and tell me how good he is if you don't, if you block outside that, Front, uh, front five, six, seven. Uh, the other thing that I want to bring up, Scott, is uh, Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel, it's a sexy name. This day and age, it's all about the sexy words. It's a sexy name. Johnny Manziel, he deserved to be the Heisman Trophy winner, in my opinion. But is he really that good? Is he really that good? It's just the sexy names, the appeal, the the, the, the stories that go behind uh, the players, and we're talking about kids right now, but the stories that go behind the players, it's becoming too overwhelming. It's going to be interesting, Mike. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of information here. We are traveling out to the Fantasy Sports Trade Association this weekend for the uh, annual conference, the winter conference. There will be a lot of conversations out there for the FF Toolbox team and the FFWC, uh, the Fantasy Football World Championship. A lot of a lot of things going on, Mike, so it's going to be kind of a fun couple of days. We'll be out there on Sunday watching the games uh, in, in Las Vegas at the Sportsbook there at the Mirage, and then uh, Monday and Tuesday, kind of the conference industry stuff will be out there. Travel back, and then what's really exciting, Mike, we go back to Las Vegas. If you want to go, it's going to be a lot of fun. Back to Las Vegas on Super Bowl weekend where we're taking Matt Bailey our champion, our $200,000 champion, out to yeah. Las Vegas. Him and his brother are coming out. They're going to be flying out. We're going to pick him up in the limo from the airport. We're going to take him uh, to the Mirage. We're going to have a great time. And then the Mirage is going to do a big deal uh, where we have a check presentation. We uh, we, we show the draft board from, last, uh, from the draft to show exactly. And he dominated the draft, Mike. I don't know if you've seen his draft. He absolutely dominated it. It wasn't really free agent moves at all. I think he picked up Brandon Myers in the, in the free agency, but – the funny thing about Myers, if you picked him up this year, likely you started him every week, he did terrible. And then the next week, you know, you benched him, and he went off for 30 or 20. Yeah. 
So Brandon Myers was really a big pain in the ass for for fantasy players uh, for the most part because he just couldn't uh, you couldn't predict when, when he was going to do something unless you're in one of those best ball leagues you really had uh, you had fits. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna be going. Hey, out. How excited is Mister Bailey to uh, come out there and uh, receive that? I mean that's got to be a lot of fun for him. Oh. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to see Matt and to see that. And we're going to do the draft pick style, NFL draft pick style, Mike. We Look, we look at trophies and plaques, and a lot of people do this and that. And, and you know, the, there's lots of different ways you can, you know, commemorate your top player. We decided that it would be best to present Matt with a championship jersey, uh, a one-of-a-kind championship jersey uh, that says champion on the front, Bailey on the back, number one. We're going to do the NFL draft pick style with the hat and the jersey, you know, get the cameras and shake hands with the executives at the uh, Mirage and then with uh, with Amel and then uh, come back down and, and try to do an ESPN interview or something right after you get off the stage. You know, kind of NFL draft pick style. So that's the plan. We also are thinking about a cup, Mike. I don't know what you think about this, but what do you think about a cup? You know, just think about the uh, Lombardi. Uh, not the Lombardi. What's the, uh, what's the Stanley Cup? You know, the Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know, have a big yeah, cup. Stanley Cup where you can sit there and pass it around to your friends, drink yeah. out of it. Yeah, let's take, it to a of, let's take it to a couple of places on the strip and in Vegas, some of the better 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 spots, and and do it big for Matt Bailey, and then you know have some good photos there and some good times with Matt. Uh, look, he's our champion, two hundred thousand dollars, first ever champion of the Fantasy Football World Championship. We are excited for Matt, and we're excited uh, to be out there and, and celebrate with him. So. Mike, I want to mention the crew here, the chat room at Red vs. Blue. Some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football are here tonight. I think a lot of guys are taking the night off. I just went over to the high-stakes fantasy hour. It was a light chat room there. Light chat room here tonight also. Henry Muto, Phantom Menace, Road Warrior Saw, 11671. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, we're going to bring on Matt uh, DeLima right now, if this is him, on the 703 area code. Matt, is that you? That is me. What's up? Matt, welcome to uh, your first episode of Red vs. Blue. Uh, Scott and Mike here. We are thrilled to have you join us, and uh, it's going to be a, a fun, a fun time here. You are the NFL lead dra- NFL or the lead NFL draft writer for FFToolbox.com. Talk about how that occurred and and what makes you so darn good at the, this NFL draft stuff. Uh, well, you know, I've been following football for a long time. Um, I graduated from Virginia Tech. And uh, we're diehard about our football team. So I started I started following recruiting, I don't know, maybe 2002. Um, I started doing scouting reports for FF Toolbox about two or three years ago. I slowly took on more responsibility. And uh, I guess Jeff appreciated, Jeff Christensen, the previous owner of the site, appreciated my uh, my way with words. That's uh, that's what it takes when you're writing. So uh, look, you're Virginia Tech, huh? So give me give me the name here. Um, Ryan Williams or is it David Wilson? Wasn't he Virginia Tech? Which which guy did you which guy do you think uh, got the better uh, NFL uh, prospect here? Well, until you know Arizona gets an offensive line, it doesn't even really matter. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I like both of them a lot. Um, I thought Ryan Williams was the best running back we ever had. Uh, the school at the time. Uh, but Wilson's got the uh, like C.J. Spiller explosiveness, and uh, I really think that both guys are going to have great careers. But right now, um, I would give the a slight edge to Wilson. Hey man, uh, this is Mike. Hey, hey man, this is Mike. It's great to uh, talk to you. And uh, I gotta ask you, I'm gonna kind of switch gears a little bit. And uh, first off, appreciate you coming from uh, Red versus Blue. Uh, which NFL uh, coaching hire, in your opinion, uh, was the best one? I mean, there's been uh, there's four or five of them here in the last uh, you know week or so. Which one? Uh, which team benefits the most from which uh, uh, coach? I'd probably have to give the edge, and maybe this is again my Virginia Tech blood uh, coming through. But I really like Chip Kelly to the Eagles. You know, I think Michael Vick is a great fit for his read option offense. I think they have the best talent for. Um, you know, it's you need results early in the NFL, and you know, I would I wouldn't really want to take over for Arizona or Kansas City or Cleveland right now. Um, 
So I'd probably give the edge to Chip Kelly, which is kind of a surprise hire. It seemed to, it seemed to come out that Chip Kelly wasn't interested, and apparently they gave him enough money to make him interested. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with the Eagles. There's a lot of offensive weapons there. I I almost wanted to once I heard that news, man. I almost wanted to go out and and try to trade for uh, you know Deshaun Jackson. I've never been a big Deshaun Jackson fan, but it makes me kind of get interested to see what he's going to be able to do with that offense. He's got to speed it up, and he's got to use the talent that he has. And, you know, you got McCoy, you got D-Jack, you got Macklin, you got weapons. So it's going to be interesting to see how he plays, uh, how that plays out. I like the, I like the Chiefs move, obviously. I mean, look, I'm a, I think Andy Reid, uh, he, he's going to win where, wherever he goes. Obviously, there's a, there was a mess there, and I think a lot of that had to do be personal. I don't, I don't care what you say. That type of stuff that happened to Andy in his life, it's going to affect you. Um, your leadership ability and just your confidence and things of that nature. You got a lot going on and personal life is, is very hard to leave at the door. I know they always say to do that, but it's very almost impossible to do uh, in real life. So uh, the, for the fact that he didn't miss a game and, and, and was still there all the time, uh, I think Andy Reid's going to do big things. I like Jamal Charles as a dynasty prospect. You think Jamal Charles' value kind of seemed like it really uh, kind of came back to life this year with a top 10 solid performance this year. I think he's back to being Jamal Charles of old. Oh, definitely. You know, um, I was high on both Charles and Adrian Peterson, both guys coming off of serious injuries this, this year. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs need somebody to compliment Charles well, because right now the speculation is that Dwayne Bowe's not going to come back. You know, they need to resolve the quarterback position. So Jamal Charles may be great. Maybe he's a top five running back again in, in fantasy draft. But they got to add somebody. Um, you know, they added Jonathan Baldwin. Um, but he hasn't really done anything. Um, they just need more people. They need more players on offense. Matt DeLima is our guest. NFL draft lead writer for FFToolbox.com. Matt, uh, we want to start with this article, this excellent article that you wrote uh, this afternoon on Manti Teo. The story uh, that everyone knows is that uh, at, at the end of the day, we still don't know what the true story is, but there's a situation here, obviously, with the girlfriend or phantom girlfriend, and we don't know uh, why he did this or if he was involved at all. The university is standing up for him. And just talk about from a, you know, obviously you don't know the details any more than the next guy, but talk about how this situation, and you wrote about it in your article, how it's going to affect his draft status. You said something like it could cause him to fall out of the first round. Yeah, because, you know, after that championship game, he was already sliding a little bit. Everybody was, everybody who watched the national championship game saw that he struggled. Uh, Notre Dame struggled. Um, you know, one of the things happened there, just to get into a little – Technical football football talk. Um, you know, Alabama's great offensive line was able to neutralize Lewis Nix, great defensive tackle for Notre Dame, which allowed them to free up a blocker to take on Monte Teo. So because he was, you know, not able to roam free on block, you know, it kind of threw him off his game. And who knows if he had something going on emotionally, still lingering from all this mess. Um, so I think right now he's sliding in this in this hope cover up controversy uh can't help you know, just from a PR standpoint. Uh you know, and the upcoming evaluations are still three months ago. I think the bottom line is that the game tape is there. He had a great year, he had one of the best defensive years for any position. You know, I'd say since Charles Woodson going all the way back to Charles Woodson. Um so I think he'll Eventually rebound. He'll be at worst a top twenty, top twenty-five pick. But right now, I mean, he's the center of a lot of negative attention. Matt DeLima is our guest NFL lead writer for FFToolbox.com. Matt, you also mentioned uh, in your mock uh, that you uh, I don't was this mock done before or after this news because you had him down to the like the twentieth spot, right back to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I had him dropping down, and I wrote it, I think, the night before. Um, and then I think Jeff published it. You guys published it right as all the stuff was breaking. So th- this is this is where you feel you you feel it may even slip a little bit further than that because I I, I find it harder to believe like a team that's so defensive minded like the Giants would pass him up at 19. I mean, it seems like 
But then again, they don't make dumb moves either. So if there is any kind of doubt that, that Teo uh, is a little off his rocker here, I guess that would make sense that the Giants wouldn't spend a pick like that. Well, yeah, well, yeah. You know, the, linebacker, uh, the linebackers for the, the Giants are usually not first-round guys, um, but they, they definitely are high-character. They seek out high-character players. And, you know, it, it's going to boil down to them sitting down with Teo Seeing what he's going out from the say, see how these next few months play out. Like I said, the game tape is already there. One of the best sounds a player can have. So I think he'll be okay in the long run. Well, uh, Matt, something I want to talk about about Teo, uh, just to kind of wrap this up a little bit, is that, uh, you know, let's face it, his, his size is not that great. Uh, his, his speed is not that great. It, it just must be the uh, his leadership, like like I talked about earlier in the show. It must be his leadership ability and uh, what he brings to the table. But I mean, other than that, he's not that special. Right now, uh, you know, his athleticism is a concern. Um, I think he's going to have to address those things at the combine. Um, you know, the 40 isn't that important for a linebacker. He's not to do well in the shuttle, the 20-yard shuttle, 50-yard shuttle, um, you know, things like the broad jump. Uh, but, you know, it depends how much stock. You know, a lot of these things are inflated. You can't put all your stock in the combine. You know, there's also pro days and, you know, these, these senior bowls some of the players participate in. Um, I think it, it boils down to scheme um, and, and, you know, but where where teams address and grade him, you know, so that's what it really boils down to. Matt DeLima, NFL lead writer for FFToolbox.com. Matt, we want to break this down and get into the fun stuff. So, uh, again, the Manti Teo story, it's a saga that's going to continue on. We'll end up seeing him on Oprah just like Lance Armstrong or something. It's got to, Or he's going to end up on the, the new MTV show, whatever, the Catfish show. He's going to end up, you know, being interviewed by that guy. So this, uh, this NFL draft, though, had – it seems like a down year for dynasty draft picks. Uh, dynasty football is a big thing now. It's entering into the high stakes space, and uh, it's getting more and more popular. Uh, websites are popping up: Dynasty League Football, Dynasty Football Warehouse. These sites are popping up, and guys are in the chat room that uh, play Dynasty. And so we want to talk about some of the some of the guys at the, the tops that you have at each position. Let's start at the quarterback position. A lot of people see. Geno Smith is that guy, the number one pick. I, I said earlier in the show, if you missed it, I'm a little concerned, man. Is this the next Pat White on our hands? Syracuse kind of dismantled him in the bowl, and he just didn't seem like he had he brought his A game that night. That's just one game. But I've got a guy here that he won't play in the senior bowl. He won't run at the combine or throw. And it's going to be this package deal that he has at uh, the workout. It's going to be on his home turf with his own receivers. It just seems like another prima donna quarterback that's just going to put on a little pony show here and just say, hey, you've seen me at my best and you've seen me at my worst. Now pick me up at the one. You know, the thing about West Virginia's system is that they produce quarterbacks um, that have inflated numbers. You know, Pat White was a great example of that. Um, But right now I'm not quite sold on Geno Smith, but, you know, I should also say I wasn't quite sold on Robert Griffin III either, you know, one a year ago. Um, Smith has a lot to prove. I don't think that he's a run-first quarterback. I think he's a pocket passer. Um, I like his size. I like his strength. He shows a great deep ball. Um, but right now, he's tentative, number one. And there's a reason why you keep hearing names uh, popping up that are challenging him, not including that Barkley, uh, to, you know, to challenge him for that number one quarterback in this draft class. So, Geno Smith is your number one pick. Uh, right now, with the mock uh, today that I'm looking at, Geno Smith is your number one quarterback. Yeah, but, you know, that right now is, is Geno Smith. That's the first time I've had him there um, in, a, in more than a month. Uh, I would say that uh, Luke Jokel is, uh, is like the 1A for Kansas City. I think he's the second best option. And where would you put him in a dynasty startup draft? Uh, would you, do you think he's worthy of a, uh, you know, obviously if he goes to KC, he's, uh, I don't think Bo is going to be there anymore. So his best option is going to be a free agent that uh, Kansas City signs. I'm sure they're going to pick up a free agent this year. And then 
complement, let let Baldwin kind of grow up a little bit in the system and have Tony Moyaki kind of grow up in the system, and you still have a, a good running back in Jamal Charles, but you can't expect a miracle for Kansas City next year. So where do you see Geno Smith as a dynasty prospect? I still think he's a top three pick. You know, the bottom line is that the high ceiling that these quarterbacks have in the NFL today, uh, it's a gamble in fantasy draft. It's a gamble in the real draft. Um, you know, if you drafted Robert, Robert Griffin III in a dynasty league, I mean, you're golden right now, uh, you know, barring the injury, of course. Um, so the same thing you said for Andrew Ross, Russell Wilson, um, I would say top three, top five, uh, you know, if, if it's a different team or a different situation. Wow. I uh, Yeah, that's the first I've heard of, of Dino being that high, but I, I guess I could see it because – you know, Andrew Luck, uh, he, he seems like he's just the pick, you know, ever. <laughs> it's a dynasty player. When I watch him, the footwork and the skills that he has leading that Colts team the, to the record that they had, uh, I, you know, he's everything and then some. He could have been, you know, unanimous uh, number one pick, and I wouldn't have been uh, – wouldn't have heard any complaints. So it'll be interesting to see if Geno Smith can lead, can live up to the hype. But I'm kind of curious who you have up there at two and th- at one and two – Ahead of Geno Smith, they've got to be pretty good players. Let's start at the running back position. Is that who they are? Most of the time, running backs are up there at the top. So give us your top running back in the NFL draft. My top back would be Gio Bernard of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Really shifty, really quick, really explosive running back. Doesn't have a lot of game film because he's only uh, been, in the, been in college for a few years. Uh, but, you know, this is also, like you said, not a great class or any of the skill positions. But, you know, this past year he was dynamite. I think he averaged 6.4 yards per carry. He's just crazy. He's um, he's great in short spaces, and I think he'll, in, given the right situation, be a great back. Well, I do, you know, this is a this is a game of uh, wide receivers. And when I talk about that, I mean, the game has changed. Uh, fantasy football changed. Uh, Dynasty league—they've all changed right now because it's become a, such a passing game. And you know, you have to find your uh, running backs. They come in left and right, but pretty hard this year. Uh, what about your wide receivers that you found out uh, this year that might be a, a diamond in the rough, so to speak? Um. Well, I was going to mention Tavon Austin as a as a diamond in the rough, but you know he's a guy who will probably get drafted in the late first or early second round. Um, diamond in the rough for the receiver. Let me think. Uh, I really like uh, Derek Rogers. He's somebody who can go in the third round. He previously was with Tennessee, and then he had to transfer to Tennessee Tech. Um, Marcus Wheaton, Oregon State. Really fluid, um, could be a really solid possession re- receiver coming out of the Pac-12 at Oregon State. Um, Aaron Dobson, Marshall, great hands, great potential, very under the radar right now. Um, yeah, I guess I should cover it. So basically, basically what you're saying is, Matt, that this is a very weak draft. Well, you know. Inevitably, the thing is, is I think when people say, "Okay, the NFL is becoming, uh, you know, more pass happy," I think there's also a youth movement and there's also an injury movement. Where inevitably, no matter how good of a draft you have, you've got to be pinpoint. You've got to be watching the waiver wire. You got to you have to be watching uh, the injury reports. You have to know the depth chart, and you know, don't don't sleep on um, second year wide receivers next year. You know, there's a lot of guys who are um, just starting to, you know, get their feet wet. One example would be T.J. Graham out for the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, everybody says the Bills need a number one wide receiver. I don't think Graham is quite that good, uh, but he'll be a very good complement to Stevie Johnson. So, you know, there's a lot of talent in the league. I think there is a youth movement occurring right now. And, uh, you know, you basically just have to know, your P's and Q's for every single team in the league because there's talent everywhere. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, let's go back, Mike, uh, because again, you uh, we, we were talking about uh, you know Gio Bernard here, and uh, this is a kid that uh, I'm so glad that Louisville. Uh, this kid is declaring for the draft and coming out now. Did the knee injury have anything to do with that? Because you know sometimes these backs they get the knee injury, they're afraid of another one. We always see it all the time. They come back and play another year. He's only a sophomore. How did he even? How's he even draft eligible? I guess I guess he's been out of uh, high school for three years. You have right so. Yeah. I'm glad that Louisville doesn't have to play this kid, Mike. This kid is 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 real legit. But uh, where where do you see Bernard ending up in the draft? Um, I'm, I would think late late first round, early second. Uh, you know, he has a loose hold on that title of being like the top running back in the draft. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I have him mocked to either Atlanta at 32 or around there um, as a replacement. A potential replacement for Michael Turner. Oh, that just makes too much sense, Matt. <laughs> yeah. that, that just makes too much sense. It seems like the running backs never go. I mean, except for the early pick, it just seems like they never go where they're supposed to go. But uh, that that would be uh, man. You give Matt Ryan and you know the Julio Roddy, maybe I, I guess Gonzo is his last year. But you give that uh, offense uh, a Bernard instead of a Turner, and you have a uh, just man. That'd be an exciting offense to watch. Okay, so we've got quarterback in Geno. We've got running back in Giovanni Bernard. Matt DeLima, NFL uh, NFL draft lead writer for FFToolbox.com, is our guest. He's breaking down the positions for us. This is exciting stuff for us. Wide receiver position. Mike called it the most important part of the draft, and and with you know with good uh, a good amount of reason there, Mike. I mean, usually you know I'll give you a little flack for that, but I kind of agree with you, especially in our format. You got to start three wide receivers every week. Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, all these new kids on the block that are kind of dominating fantasy football right. in, the, in, the, in the rankings. Who's the next star in the NFL here, Matt? Who's the next best wide receiver in the draft? Um, right now he's kind of slipping, but I think once the combine comes, the pro days come, and he's able to show off his athleticism and uh, his after-the-catch after the skills, i got to go with Justin Hunter out of Tennessee. He's a very raw athlete. Um, he's going to blow a lot of a lot of guys out of the water at the combine when it comes to broad jump, a lot of the the you know the, the agility drills and all that. I really like pretty much everything about him. But like I said, he's very raw. He's uh, a track athlete, and um, you know he didn't get to do much with Tennessee this year because Tennessee was pretty bad. Yeah, and he got hurt. He's been hurt a couple times, um, but I just really think he's going to explode after the combine. Well, uh, Matt, just uh, just out of curiosity, uh, what's his height? How tall is he? I think he's six four, six three or six four. Yeah, yeah. The kid is the kid is good. I, I'm a I'm a junkie for like YouTube videos, and when you watch this kid, I mean, he has he has all the skills of a real physical talent. I, I like to see. Uh, I like to see a guy that, that reminds me sort of of Moss out there, you know, and that that's I don't, that's just what I kind of feel when I'm watching Justin Hunter, you know, highlights. I'm like, man, this kid has the the, the skills. And so, where did you have him in your mock? I can't remember where you ha- how is he a, is he a first round guy? I actually dropped him pretty good just because there seems to be a mainstream consensus that there is some concern uh, about him. I'm pretty sure I dropped him into the 40s actually which is the, the lowest I've had him, I think, since I started writing mock drafts for this season. Um, yeah, I can't find him. Oh, I have him at 60, dropping all the way to 60 to San Francisco. Wow. Wow, that would uh, that would be a potent combination. There were Crabtree now emerging. Mike, you like Crabtree now, right? Have you been watching this kid the last couple of weeks? I mean, I've been he's been a stash on my teams. I couldn't sell him for anything. You could never sell Crabtree until just now. Now I start getting offers for Crabtree, and I'm like, isn't it funny how Dynasty works? You know, you get a big game from a guy, and then you start getting all these offers, and you're like, this is the last time I'm going to sell him. I love the kid. You know, yeah, it's kind of, it, it was kind of funny for me, Scott, uh, David Wilson. Uh, everybody gave up on David Wilson, and I drafted him in uh, one of my Dynasty leagues, and I – I've got I've gotten offers left and right, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to give up on this kid. I'm not going to give up on this kid. And uh, next thing you know, he he busts a, a good uh, pop return, 
uh, kick on return, and uh, I guess Tom Coughlin just says, you know, we we got to make sure you can carry the ball first, and then we'll go from there. Uh, Matt, what, what do you think about David Wilson? Uh, we we talked about David Wilson earlier in the program, Mike. Don't you remember, dude? Hey, what what's going on over there in Brandenburg, Kentucky, Mike? Well, I'm just I'm just I'm just kind of going through players. <laughs> Oh, we had to break out the buzzer meter, Mike. The buzzer meter says you're at a solid seven and a half tonight, buddy. Seven point five on the buzzer meter for Mike. That all? That's man, all, I'm not man. Doing my job. <laughs> no, you're you're okay. You're you're if okay. I'm at seven point five. I'm not doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking to Matt DeLima, uh, NFL uh, draft. Uh, writer, lead writer uh, at fftoolbox.com. We're happy to have Matt on with us. Great article on Manti Teo posted earlier today. And Ben Standig was the winner of the HuddleReport.com's 2012 Mock Draft Accuracy Award. You think he got any chance at this thing this year, Matt? I mean, uh, Ben took it down last year, and he's been getting a lot of props on the site. And you, th- you think you could take it down this year? You know, I'm, I was quietly bitter that Ben won. <laughs> you know, I didn't say anything. I, I gave him his props. I gave him his due. But he kind of came out of left field as far as, my, as, far as I'm concerned. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to take him down this year. Well, what is that? I mean, how do they rank accuracy? Are they just talking about number of accurate picks? Is that all it is? I believe it was you got a certain amount of points for getting uh, the 32 players that were in the first round and then sort of like uh, a bonus points for getting it called correctly or – um, like, you know, maybe if you were two spots away, you got like a, a point. If you were one spot away, you got like three points, something like that. How close was he? Was he, did he get all 32 in the first round? No way. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm pretty sure that he got at least, you know, 28, 29 of the first round, uh, and got maybe like a dozen direct hits or something like that. Um, I didn't follow it too closely because frankly, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't do very well. <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe, uh, being a Jets fan, I couldn't believe that the Jets took Quentin Copels. I just, it was totally out of left field for me when they took him because I saw, I just remember there being so much talent on the board, and then they said Quentin Copels, and I was like, what? Are you kidding me? After his after that last year, I mean, the year prior to that looked fantastic, and then it was the last year, he just fell off the map. So I, I just, uh, yeah, you know, every year it's, it's like that for the Jets. But okay. Moving on to tight end. Tight end position is very important, especially in leagues that award one and a half points per tight end uh, catch. So uh, I'm, I'm from Indianapolis here. We obviously are big Irish fans, and uh, Tyler Eifert, he looked, uh, looks like the real deal. Is he, is he uh, the next Gronk in waiting? What do you, what do you think? Who's the, who's the top tight end? You know, I've actually got Zach Ertz out of uh, Stanford as my top tight end just because he's more of a well-balanced player. I think he can uh... – he doesn't need too much polish when it comes to blocking and inline blocking. And I think he's uh, got great size. I'm pretty sure he's 6'6". You know, huge guy, huge target, worked the middle of the field, um, above average athleticism, you know, quick enough to to challenge safeties and linebackers and coverage. Well, I can't disagree with you. I know the kid has got skills, but I, I just see a lot of, I just see a lot of playmaking uh, ball ability when I watch Eifert, and it just seems like he can take over a game when the quarterback, you know, puts some faith in him. And we saw that a lot this year. Uh, obviously, the Alabama game didn't go their way, but I just thought play calling was so bad in that game. I don't want to, you know, you can't take anything out of just one game, but this kid's going to have a really good career. I think they're both going to have good careers. Where do you put them as far as dynasty draft picks? Are they first rounders? Are they late first rounders? Or do they, do they, it seems like back in the day we had, you know, guys like Winslow and got, you know, up as high as four and five, but we, and we haven't seen really tight ends that high anymore. They usually, they're usually taken somewhere in the eight, nine, ten range, or, or even later in the draft. I think you've got to be a second round guy. You know, there's there's just that concern, particularly in the first year where guys are adjusting to the game. You know, a lot of these tight ends are kind of one dimensional. I think it kind of depends on where he ends up. Um, I'm pretty sure that I have Eifert going to Green Bay, which would be more or less ideal. You know, the Packers are throwing the ball 50, 45 times a game. He can line up uh, out wide, 
he can work the slot. Um, he doesn't have to, you know, get in a three-point stance. And I think if he was on a pass-heavy team, if I was, if I was a pass-heavy team, I would have Eifert as my top uh, tight end. But since Ertz is the the more well-balanced player, I give him the slight edge. But, you know, it's very close for both guys. Who did you like better last year? Uh, did you like Allen or Fleener better? Oh, I like Fleener. As a I like Allen a lot, a, too. As Allen's a fantasy great. weapon, yeah. Uh, well, as a fantasy weapon, you know, as I watch the Colts here in Indianapolis, you start to see that uh, it looks like Fleener's going to take a little while longer out of the gate. And we kind of thought it would be the opposite, that Fleener would have that chemistry with Luck. And, you know, he did miss, uh, you know, a lot of that uh, early playbook time in the preseason when I guess he was off at, at school. And, you know, they all the rave reports were that this kid is so smart and, you know, he, he's already got the playbook down and this and that, and you just thought that the chemistry would be there right off the bat, but it just seemed like Allen was the guy making plays this first year. So kind of curious to see what that dynasty value does between those two players. Yeah, definitely, because I actually have Dwayne Allen on one of my uh, on one of my teams. You know, I scooped him up pretty late. Um, I don't think many people expected the Colts to grab, you know, too high-powered. You know, both guys were considered – um, maybe like top five, you know, Allen was like maybe like the third or fourth best tight end in the draft. Um, I like, I think it says more about how good Allen is. And, you know, I'm, I remember writing a scouting report for him last year and saying that um, it may be cliched to do like a player comparison, but he reminded me of Antonio Gates where he's great, uh, you know, using his body to create space, you know, finding – uh, the, you know, the little open openings in the defense. Um, I think he's really great. He's got great hands, great after catch. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, somebody has to catch the ball. And, uh, you know, for right now, Allen has a slight lead. All right. Well, I think his has a lot to do with it, Matt. I'm sorry? I said, do you think his size has a lot to do with it? Let's face it, Allen is a – I mean, Fleener is not a small guy, but Allen is a tremendously huge guy with a big wingspan, and he can go up and get a lot of these balls where Fleener can. I mean, both guys are pretty big. Um, I'm not sure what it is right now. You know, uh, I think it kind of boils down to what the coaching staff uh, thinks that both players are capable of. And, again, I, I always point back to blocking. You know, these are the little things that might hold a running back back. You know, he's not good in pass protection or, you know, like you were saying with David Wilson, you know, he was having issues. He had that fumble, you know, maybe on his second carry in the first game and he didn't play, you know, for pretty much the entire season. Uh, it's just those little things that uh, football coaches really care about, you know, special teams yeah. and things like that uh, that can separate a player uh, early in his career. All right, Matt, we're getting ready for the uh, the good part of the program here, the sleepers. I asked you for some sleepers in the pre in, uh, before the show started. Uh, what do you have here? It does, any sleeper names that we should just write down and then start to research here? Those are the types of names I want. Everybody's got their pen and paper out. Uh, what uh, what names should we be looking for uh, on NFL Draft Day? Uh, well, I don't know if he's a sleeper at quarterback, uh, but I, what I'm hearing and what I'm reading – online is that Syracuse's quarterback, Ryan Nassib, uh, could go all the way at number eight to the Buffalo Bills following his former head coach from Syracuse and his former offensive coordinator. Um, needless to say, this would be a huge reach if the draft were today. Um, I think it would blow everyone out of the water. Um, but if he's their guy, he's their guy, and I think that might be the pick right now. And Nasib is. I just read that on uh, Pro Football Weekly that Nasib was. He was even talking about a desire to play for the Bills. So that would be that. That would be a really interesting pick to see something like that uh, pan out on draft day. I would, I'd be interested in that. Okay, running back. We everybody always wants the sleeper running backs, and uh, you know MJD was a short little kid that nobody thought it could do anything. And I remember taking him at like two one in the Dynasty rookie draft, and there he goes and explodes. Back then he was Maurice Jones. 
uh, or Maurice Drew, and you change to uh, Jones Drew. What's the uh, who's the sleeper running back that Dynasty guys can uh, stash away? I'm looking at Ken John Barner out of Oregon. Um, you know, he filled in for the Michael James, not this past season, but the season before. Uh, he was dynamite. Um, you know, the knock on him is that he's a bit undersized, uh, but he's very fast, very speedy, you know, and the bottom line is, uh, you know, running back is a position of opportunity. And if he's a guy who will come in and uh, get a good role on the right team, maybe an injury occurs ahead of him, I really like him. What about LaMichael James? You mentioned LaMichael James there. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like, you know, we were waiting for a hunter to be the guy in, the, in San Fran. Gore, we thought, was washed up. He made it another year, and he looked pretty good. He's the ultimate warrior, if you ask me, you know. But it, his time has got to be coming to an end. And now Hunter, with the bad Achilles injury, you got to think that's just such a difficult injury to overcome. You almost think that the door is wide open for LaMichael James. Yeah, you know, he's been getting more playing time as the season has drawn on. Um, he's healthy now. Um, I actually have him on that same dynasty team with Dwayne Allen uh, stashed away. Uh, I really like him. I think he can do it all. I think, um, you know, he can be that Jacquez Rogers type player. Um, he can catch, he can run, he's very fast, shifty. Uh, it's just a matter of opportunity. You know, Frank Gore, every year, you know, when the drafts come up, it's, you know, when his <laughs> Gore just keeps slipping further and further down. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the 49ers just pounded away, and, um, you know, he's still doing it. I, I was just going to ask you, I just wrote I, down I the name right above LaMichael was Quiz Rogers. I was like, which guy? They remind me a lot of each other. Which one do you think has the higher dynasty ceiling? Uh, it's got to be it's got to be Rogers just because Atlanta's offense is, well, you know, San Francisco no. killed it last week, but Atlanta's offense is far more dynamic on a week-to-week basis. Um, you know, they're more than happy, uh, you know, to let it rip with the passing game. I, you know, if a, if, if a team's going to score 50 points, I would put my money on Atlanta. Um, but, you know, it's just a matter of we've seen more of Rodgers right now than we have seen of James. We've seen Rodgers break big runs. Um, James really hasn't had that many opportunities, so – you know, it's not as quite as, as uh, definitive just yet. I would yeah. ask, well, I, I'd like to ask both of you, uh, Matt and Scott, uh, what's to say that uh, Frank Gore's over? I mean, I know the ceiling for uh, running backs, you know, it's pretty much about 30 years old, and that's about it. But uh, Frank Gore, he, he's still uh, knocking them down and getting it done. So uh, from a dynasty value, uh, do you see three more years in Frank Gore? Um, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm the, the same age as Frank Gore, and, uh, <laughs> you know, things just don't, even for me, and the, you know, the unathletic person I am, you know, things just don't work the same when you were, when you hit 30, um, I'm sure as both of you can attest. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think he's got three, I don't think three years is a stretch. I know all I can say is for right now is that heading into next season, um, I think once again, Gore is going to be undervalued. He's going to slip, uh, you know, at least a round, um, you know, maybe third-round pick, and you're getting a guy who's going to touch the ball 20 times a game. He's the center, the centerpiece of that offense um, alongside Kaepernick. It's a great back, still getting it done. I think he's great. And Gore will be trying to, uh, you know, Reaching up on 2,000 career carries, jeez, uh, you know, he just does it uh, year after year, uh, and he hasn't broken down yet. So, all right, guys, let's get to the exciting stuff. Matt, thank you so much for doing the sleeper segment and the, and the players of the draft, the Manti Tail article, excellent. Let's get to the games. We've got two big games this weekend. Uh, Mike, you have the spreads. You're always, you're always good for the spreads and the over-unders, man. What's, uh, what's on the tap here? All right, well, I'll tell you what, right now, San Francisco, Atlanta, uh, the latest I'm showing is they pushed it, uh, San Francisco to minus four, and the over under is 48 and a half. All right, so San Francisco is minus four on the road in Atlanta in the on the turf. 
Uh, different type of game for them. Atlanta definitely showed up and beat probably what I thought was the best team in the NFC, the Seattle Seahawks. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Vegas, look, Vegas isn't predicting who's going to win the game. Vegas is predicting to put the line there so to put the same amount of action on both sides of the spread, right, Mike? So at the end of the day, they, they feel like the San Francisco off of that hot game. That ca- Look, the Packers make offenses look good, right? And they made Kaepernick. Uh, look like a world beater, and he and maybe he is. I mean, maybe he is the the next big thing in the National Football League. I I, I certainly can't argue with anybody that suggests that. But Atlanta is at home. Uh, they're playing in front of their home crowd, and they have a much better defense than they've had in years past. Not as good as the Niners. So the question is, if the Niners have a better defense, and the Niners have an offense capable of running with Atlanta's, Mike, who wins the game? Well, I think I think San Francisco wins the game, but I, I'll tell you what. Uh, I just wrote down right now. I like Atlanta plus the four. I like Atlanta plus the four to at least cover the game, and I also like the under forty-eight and a half. Uh, there's going to be a lot of different scenarios that comes into play in this game. Uh, I think Atlanta, Atlanta's D, if they play two halves, just like the the way they played the first half against Seattle then this could be a very, very, very difficult game for uh, San Francisco to navigate. Uh, I think San Francisco, they're going to win by three, but as far as a betting side, I'm liking Atlanta, and I like the under 48-and-a-half. Carolina's Cam Newton threw for over 500 yards and four touchdowns, rushed for another 200 against Atlanta. Russell Wilson went for 385, a career high with his two TDs and another 60 and a score. They this type of pedestrian defense, Matt, doesn't do well against these types of quarterbacks. I'm taking the Niners, giving the points, laying the points. Who do you take? Oh, I got to go with uh, 49ers. I'm a, I grew up in California. I'm a 49ers fan. But that aside, I don't know how you can logically argue right now after the way that the 49ers played last week that they're somehow going to lose to Atlanta. Um, I, I think the only arguments would be, I guess, you know, Atlanta's playing at home, Atlanta's great at home. But the, t- the thing is, is that what do, what do they always say about playoffs? You need to be able to run the ball, and you, need to be, and you need to be able to defend. And I just don't see Atlanta being able to rely on a running game. Um, and if you, make, if you are one-dimensional against the 49ers, it's a wrap. I think this is going to be a blowout. I don't think Atlanta scores 10 points. I'm going with the under. I'm going to say, you know, 30 to 10. Nice. I also have uh, – so we all three have the, the hardball. One of the hardballs advances to the Super Bowl. If defense wins championships, New England has a pretty good one. It's not the same Baltimore defensive old Mike, uh, but New England is uh, kind of stepping up the ranks there in their defensive play. What's the line in the spread? You got a, You got one minute. Yeah, uh, we got uh, New England eight point favorite. Uh, Fifty one and a half is the uh, is the total. Uh, I I'm going to take Baltimore just because I drafted a bunch of Baltimore Ravens, but I'm hoping that their uh, DBs will check Welker and all all the wide receivers right at the line of scrimmage. And if they do that, Baltimore can wreak havoc on Brady. It's not about sacking him; it's just about making him un- uncomfortable by just getting to the line real quick. The Ravens have reached the AFC title game for the third time in five years, took down Peyton Manning, one of the greatest of all times to get here. I have to make that a, a huge consideration with my pick today. Plus, they walked off the field without that win last year. I'm taking the Baltimore to win outright, Mike, for you and your chances in the FF Toolbox Fantasy Playoff Championship. Matt, who do you got? I like New England. Tom Brady, that's my argument, Tom Brady. I think that uh, the Ravens uh, don't match up well. I think there's not gonna, they're not going to have an answer for Aaron Hernandez. Baltimore has a, a solid defense against tight ends, but it's going to fall through. I don't think they can defend Wes Walker in the slot. Tom Brady's going to have a field day. Well, hey, uh, it's, what, it's a two-word answer. It's Tom Brady. I totally understand that. Matt, thank you for being uh, on uh, Red vs. Blue. Thanks a lot, uh, Matt. Hopefully the first of many times you'll you'll stop and join us with this NFL draft coverage. We'll be uh, It'll be exciting to maybe join, have you back on as the draft approaches, man. Thanks for having me, guys.
All right, and maybe we can get in into some of these uh, some of these games and tournaments that we're in, Mikey. We've got uh, we've got a run. It's been a blast. Thanks to everybody in the crew, the chat room here, at Red versus Blue. Mikey, good luck to you this weekend. You can take hey. this thing down with a big performance on Sunday from Baltimore, my man. Yeah, let's go for it, bub. All right, we'll see you guys next week on Red vs. Blue. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.